Podcast Revolution Network presents The Way with Noah. Greetings and welcome to another edition of The Way with Anoa. I had hoped to get this episode up a little bit earlier, but unfortunately life and a little bit of sickness uh, uh, kept me from editing in time, but I hope you enjoy. It just gets right into it. It's myself. I'm joined with Michael Brooks of The Majority Report and uh, two dope boys in a podcast. And it's it's a great conversation with a great friend. Um, you know, it's 2017. New voices, new ideas, uh, old friends. I know there are some of you out there who who might be like discouraged because Bernie could have won or should have won or would have won. But we, we there's a bigger win. The bigger win is all of us united together. Um, it's not about consolation prizes or, or, or I think that somehow we're better off with a bad president. I'm just about looking at what's going on right now with what we have. We can't change what has happened, but we can definitely change where we're going. So tune in. All right, peace. Mastermind conversations too, and I'm I'm talking with Ben and Bashkar about another project that we. Oh, sweet! I really think I really think that that is yeah. uh, that would be the type of thing. Um, a mastermind conversation. I think a mastermind jam session type of thing is definitely what needs to happen because there's so much. That is percolating. There's so many projects. There's so many people, and it and I, I you know there are a lot of people who get like bothered by the fact that everyone seems to be doing their own thing, or there's all this stuff going on. I think it's kind of great that there's so much going on, and if we can sustain most, yeah, if not definitely. all of it, we'll get through these four years. We'll get through the midterms. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And we'll rise above mm-hmm. the challenges we've endured. Is is at least my hope, right? Because even though there's the petty stuff that keeps happening or whatever, and there are things that make us want to pull our hair out, like connecting with people like you, like me linking up. It's been almost a year since I linked up with Ben. Like yeah, it's yeah. been, it's been, and it's just us like in this, this progressive independent media space that has been freaking awesome to watch. Cause there's already been, you know, you guys have already been out there, but then, you know, for the rest of us who came along too, to what, to see the synergy that's starting to happen it's just beautiful. <laughs> and this is one of the things that gives yeah, me hope. No, it's really, no, no, totally. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think we all need to start talking about, you know, really creating revenue models, really creating different things. And I also think, but yeah, besides that, I mean, I'm, I'm ready to cook on, on everything. And the only thing I'm going to ask you is you got you to gotta plug the fuck out of the dope boys in a podcast. I will that, start at, well, well this cool is what I'm about to anything. do. Oh, hell yeah. This is what I'm about to start doing because I've been, I've been talking about, okay. But what I'm, what I, I agree with that too. But what I'm, what I'm about to start doing is I think I'm about to get like my little sister in them. Cause my sister, cause we're down here in Atlanta and my youngest sister is at Georgia state. So she has her whole little crew and they have some of the stuff that they're starting to do. 
you know, but she's starting to get some of her little friends to listen to all of our stuff, right? Because for me, then she's seeing like who I'm following oh, nice. and who's so, so I'm trying to get them because if I can get that younger set, because they're that 19, 20, 22, yep. that younger set. So they're, they're on the verge of getting their conscious game on. They saw what went down in the election. They all right. vote. This was their first election they voted in for most of them. So like, you know, I had yeah, a crew of them yeah, out yeah. at a Bernie, at the Bernie rally we had here with Killer Mike. And it was like seven of them. And it was actually, it was funny because it was right around the time with that whole, awesome. we're here for the boys thing. I mean, it was right before that. And it was so funny because my sister was coming with me, but her boyfriend and his boys and they're, you know, it's Atlanta. So everybody raps down here too, right? They all came with her. So it was so funny when that, you know, we're here for the boys thing happened because my sister was like, well, I bought like seven boys with me. The boys came for me, apparently. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. That's this has awesome. been so wild, but, but right, no, 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 right, no. Right, definitely. Right. I, I, I think the cross promotion, the cross pollinating definitely needs to happen. And, and I'm about to, what I was saying is I'm starting start to start getting them, um, trying to get them to help with sharing, helping me with sharing and stuff more too. But I'll definitely, what I need to do oh, is start perfect, getting better perfect, perfect. because that's what I need to do. Like, since I have a three day weekend, I had a three, I have, you know, book in three day weekends. I need to, to really sit down and start doing my plan going forward. Cause I do want to be better about reaching out to my, 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 my podcast brothers and sisters, my friends, you know, I said my people who've been holding me down through this, my, my induction yeah, yeah, yeah. into this crazy world. I do want to start helping, you know, to promote other folks stuff better. And I'm glad we finally get to have a chat, you know, real time, you know, yeah, me too, um, me too, me too. <laughs> Yes, definitely. It's growing. So it's it, it's been it's been it's been percolating for like quite some time now. We keep saying, okay, we need to talk, we need to talk, we need to talk. So I'm really glad I hopped on. Like, can you talk today? <laughs> because like yeah, it's been perfect. that's the way that's the only way it happens. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's and it's and and again, I appreciate the fact that you're on vacation and stuff too. But like you know, this year, I mean, this has been an insane period because I'm I'm like politics and stuff like. I have never really delved in this deep before, right? I grew up in a politically conscious mm. black nationalist household. So, you know, my stepfather's a former Panther. Um, right. Excuse me, you know, Black Liberation Army, that type of stuff. My dad was a little younger than that set, but still very conscious, worked in a notable black bookstore in Harlem. We grew up in Harlem, then we moved to Chicago. Like, So we had that type of upbringing. And so politics was, of course, always discussed growing up and stuff and news and commentary, but we were never involved in this manner because of maybe the, the way my parents were coming at it, right? My mom, like for the longest, she yeah, voted yeah. Green Party always until she voted for Obama in 08. And you know, then wow. she went back to voting for Green Party again this this year. So like, so like, it was a very when I look at my experience, it's been very interesting, right? And I've kind of taken so kind of coming in. My parents looked at me like, "This is fascinating what you're doing," but we see, but we see what we taught you <laughs> in this, so we approve. And I was like, "Oh, okay." So because I when I got my right. mom on board right, right, to right. consider Bernie, because actually it's my father who got me to consider Bernie. Cause I was like, daddy, I don't know. I don't, mm. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't think this might be the first primary where I sit out. Right. Like, which a lot of my friends told me they did wow. because they didn't think 
Because I remember 2008, right? Like, so in 2008, I remember 2008, and I remember the campaign the Clintons ran. And I remember what I remember the most when I think back to that time is the way my kids, because I had kids, I had my kids young. So I had my kids with me when I was in law school. And I remember my son and his obsession with Barack Obama. Max was about four years old, I think, at the time. Maybe going on, I think it was four going on five. Mm-hmm. And he was obsessed with Barack Obama. Like, obsessed. We lived in, I went to law school in West Virginia, so we lived in West Virginia. So he was devastated when Barack lost West Virginia in the primary. But I pointed out that our county, where we lived at, right, actually right. went for him. So he felt better. Because ever since they've been little, like, in 2004, when I was um, in Ohio, like, you know, I had Max on my hip and Nayla at my feet, voting, going to vote for John Kerry, going to do my do- good duty as a Democrat. And, you know, so my kids have always seen you know, how important it is. Like I actually made my daughter who's now 15. I actually made her learn about our, because I've been doing so much of this stuff. I actually asked her to do research for me, for our local, for our primary here in Georgia of the local races in our, in our area, because I didn't know, I didn't really know what was going on. I'm preaching to everyone else. And my daughter's getting on me. She goes, you keep telling everybody else to get involved locally. What are you doing locally? I said, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to the nation, baby. (laughs) I mean, you know, it's hard, but then she was, she was right. She was right. So I had to step back and look at, you know, what I was doing. Nationalizing, get involved local. I'm nationalizing, get involved local. Right. Like I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get other people motivated. I'm trying to put shine on other people, baby. She was like, whatever. That's not good enough. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> whatever <laughs> I yo that. i think i'd get along with your daughter i like i like that i like the sensibility whatever um no i think i just also have to say that i anytime we, we we have some opportunity to chat and i'm like always reminded of all the things you do and the fact that you have two kids i'm like damn and i can't even like finish a fucking proposal on time but anyways um without besides it's that, all like, perspective uh, it's all relative there. there's a lot of stuff i can't um, do that other people can do true too, so hey. true 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 it is it is definitely nothing else has taught us in 2016 it's all a matter of perspective i mean i think that you know there's been a lot of things that have happened this year that have been I guess it's really, I mean, I guess it, I guess it concludes in a way that's really depressing at the moment, right? Like, I wouldn't want to, you know, sugarcoat that. This right. is, like, Absolutely. the last way I'd want it to end. But I think that, um, you know, and it's funny, I was, I was, I was, I was looking at, at, uh, at, at pictures earlier today, and I had, like, and I was, like, you know, there's some picture from, like, early in the spring and I'm like at some rooftop party and I was like, it's like I was with the, the girl I was seeing at the time and I have this giant smile on my face and blue shirt all laid back. And I'm just like, Oh, like it was warm and Bernie was still in the game. And then it's like for a couple months and I'm just like sitting in the studio with like a beer, like on my forehead. like, fuck. <laughs> and that's been like the trajectory of this of this like second half of 2016 i gotta say i mean what has also really been a, a, a tricky thing for me and i think and i want to make like distinctions here because i think you know i think you and i probably i don't i don't know exactly because i actually don't know how you voted um but you know i definitely was of that kind of flip of like all right like we're gonna pick between two enemies here and hillary clinton's the enemy i prefer um, and I went into that, like, that was kind of my perspective during the general. And I, you know, and I knew people who wouldn't go with that, had a different reason. 
for why they couldn't go with her. And some of those reasons I thought were really like smart and I understood and they made sense to me. But then other people would, went on this kind of like, oh, it's going to be better for the left if we hand like the control of the federal government to like this radical Republican party. And I was like, that's not true. Like, that's just not strategic. Like you don't, you know, so I felt like there were some people who were kind of like on my side of the spectrum who I thought really ended up letting themselves get into this kind of like emotional place with it. I didn't think it was destructive. And then at the same time, this kind of Hillary people and everything that represented was just so disgusting to me. Because, you know, I mean, I know you've seen me rant like on mm -hmm. air and on Twitter or whatever. Now I need to do some writing about it of like this kind of like, I call it like the pseudo woke neoliberal. Ooh, yes. The slay queen slay. Yes. It's like the reason it slays is because it's exactly correct. It's like you have this group of people that first, and because you know what was what was weird to me and what relates, I guess, actually to my upbringing was that, you know, I'm saying my mother was pretty political. My dad was not particularly political, but they were definitely counterculture. But my mom was political. My mom, you know, voted for Andrew Davis in the 1980s. So, like, Sweet. You know, I, I was yeah, so you get it. a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> so you want to, yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, that's what I got to say. I, I took. I had this professor in college. I went undergrad to this liberal arts school called Bates College. And it was a real, you know, it was a nice, like, fancy New England school. And I came in, like, I was, like, hippie homeschooled. I had no money. But I got, I basically talked my way in. And then there were all these kids who went to, you know, all of these good New England prep schools and everything. And I remember I took a course with a guy named John McClendon, who was a CLR James Scholar. And he was who I, how I learned about CLR James, and he was brilliant and very charismatic. And it was like, you know, this kind of like very white, very, very kind of upper crust campus in like Maine. And he, he drove like this green Cadillac that said Papa. It was like, oh, nice. it was just like, wow, like, you know, like the contrast. But I always really got along with him. And I remember like, you know, and I and I, I murdered his class. And I remember one time I was in a meeting with him and I and it was so it was so like benignly Machiavellian of me because we had just done a, a, a Angela Davis section and I was like, Yeah, and I was actually familiar with her. My mother voted mm. and he goes, What? What? Like <laughs> he kind of like, you know, this is the first thing that has genuinely surprised me in years teaching you know? <laughs> so there with like my polo shirt on or whatever and I was like yeah you know I look like another member of Tennessee but not totally but but anyways you know what so in my background I had that and I was just so, right you know politics was in high school and I couldn't even you know vote yet obviously but I you know I was aware of Bill Clinton in the last couple of years of him being in office. And then, you know, I kind of came to political maturity under George W. Bush. But Bill Clinton, to me, was not just someone that I kind of was like, oh, he was the kind of charismatic dude who liked to, like, fuck, you know, which seems like a lot of people remember him. It's like, oh, he was kind of a charming hillbilly and he had affairs, but he managed the economy really well and he gives great speeches. That's all, you know. Uh, potential, I don't know about manage the economy well. There's some truth to those other parts. But, you know, I was aware of uh, the prison policies. Mm -hmm. I was, my family um, 
dealt with poverty issues growing up. I was very aware of just even like, even at that point, we weren't directly affected by welfare reform, but I was very aware of what that signified in terms of your spirit and attitude towards um, racial and socioeconomic issues. So I was just, you know, that that's sort of like in my DNA of understanding this stuff. And I knew in the, in the primary, I was like, yeah, of course, I'm on board with Bernie because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm progressive. So right, it made sense. So, and I wasn't even... That was it. It wasn't. I wasn't even going that hard at Hillary. Right. I, I kind of thought he would be better than was. I went better than was predicted, and then she would eventually get the nomination. And I still was like, yeah, I want to keep it in democratic hands. I want to have a neoliberal left civil war, but first we got to destroy the Republicans. Right. That was always my thinking. That never really changed. But when they came out and they started, you know. Like, I remember, you know, I remember people like Tanahisi Coates wrote this, you know, this column on reparations and mm-hmm. brain And he had a legitimate, like, there was a legitimate critique there, to, I think, you know, to some extent. Of like, all right, here's a guy who's always talking about recreating what's possible in politics. Then, mm-hmm. um, you know, he won't entertain reparations. I was like, okay, that's legit. But then, like, I'm also, you know, bluntly, I do wonder why like you know i'm like okay it's an interesting time of all the things happening in this campaign that's an interesting time to publish this argument let's set that aside i saw these fucking hillary people sharing it and pushing it all over mm-hmm. social media and after i asked somebody at a party i was like i was like oh that's so interesting because i haven't seen the marcus garvey section of hillary clinton's website <laughs> you know that like crazy well, I remember that. I remember that because I want to say that was around the time I had first joined Ben when all that stuff, or right when I was first starting to join Ben, it was around that time when that was happening. Because that was that Fusion. That was the Black and Brown Forum that was hosted on Fusion. And, and Bernie yeah. had had gotten asked a question in the back. And, you know, he's he's the gruff dude that he is, and he just answers off the cuff. And his answer, when you actually listen, put their answers, their answers side by side, hers was way more polished. She knew to reference, you know, John Conyers' um, house bill that, that refers to the reparation studies, you know. But they talked about the same thing, basically. So instead of saying no, she gave a response, which, I, which you know, a lot of the stuff when I critiqued her, I'm like, you know, I can tell she, she learned very well from her legal experience because you're not supposed to say yes or no, you know, mm-hmm. like we were taught, like, like, like even how I was taught, like by our older professors who probably, you know, are older than, you know, or, or her and Bill's age, like the way they went through school, you don't answer question yes or no, you know, you say it depends, or you just give your answer and your position, you know, so there, there's a way that you're coached to speak. And I think that's why when we see so many of our, our, our past presidents have been a lawyer or some other type of policy something in that realm right where where you are encouraged and engaged you speak and engage with people in a certain way um and and bernie does not have that at all you know he's very gruff he's he's just regular and 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 so that moment which is great right it is it is but that moment could have been a very honest conversation and dialogue right about the democratic party about the left and about this issue of reparations except it became a moment of outrage and, and I understand why. And, and the Coates piece did have very good points. And he also later, he's another one of the people who, who took 
it seemed like they took such joy in their writing to to tear it almost seemed like they took t- time to tear Bernie down in some ways right because he was struggling he he really needed right. he needed he needed a bump right um whereas Hillary right. really did not get that same that same angle you know that same approach but he did but but what I did appreciate though was she fumbled big time right after that though at during I think it was a debate maybe and she was referencing um reconstruction Right. And she totally got reconstruction completely wrong when she was talking about Abraham Lincoln and Coates wrote a piece about that, but it didn't get shared the same way. Right. Like it didn't get shared the same way. And I think that that the fundamental this notion that somehow she was the better candidate on race um, by proximity to her husband or the fact that they've hired so many black people and stuff. You know, Paula Dean apparently has a lot of black people that work for her as well. Um, I don't know. That means that she's good on race, <laughs> wow. you know, like, like, like that, that, that would be one of the litmus tests. Like, well, well, who has hired more black people and how many black staffers? Are there? I don't, I don't listen to some of the commentary that her and Bill have both had over this cycle. I don't know the fact that they have black friends or, or having, you know, I mean, people using white people using blackness as a shield and black people allowing that to happen in this election cycle was fascinating for me to watch. And it just happened again to me last night. So so it's fascinating to have watched because it's something that I've always been taught that we don't allow to happen. Right. And my my white friends, they don't do it. They know not to do it. They know I got them because they're my people. But they know not to come to me like, no, you're the black one. Come, 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 come explain this for all of us. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so it just seemed like there was just these weird social protocols that I had always been used to that did not exist anymore as we had to paint Bernie as the whitest white person ever. And somehow Hillary was our proxy for blackness in place of Obama and everything else going on. Like it was a a weird, it was a weird trope to watch happen. It was totally bizarre, and it was so bizarre. And also, it was kind of, to me, very, like, it, it opened up this whole line of conversation that I wasn't particularly interested in having, yeah. to be honest with you. Because I I remember, like, a couple of years ago, like, I, I was I would be, um, I had my, my friend Josh Zepps, who has a show. He was, I used to be on, he was, used to be on HuffPost Live, and I would be on HuffPost Live with him, and he has a podcast called We The People, and He's a, you know, I guess I'll do the customary thing, except in this case, it's really honest. He is a really great guy, and he's a good friend of mine. And we just have some, I would say, in certain issues, not even, like, different views. I think it's just, like, a question of relevance. Like, mm-hmm. I would do these panels with him, and he would kind of be, like, really interested in, you know, internet outrage culture and is, right. like, you know, PC, quote-unquote, running amok and all of that shit. And my perspective would usually be like, look, I mean, you know, sure, like, let's talk about the story. And I either maybe I'll actually defend these people from your because you actually don't get it, my opinion, or I could agree with you, like somebody's being ludicrous. But my overall point is like, who the fuck cares? Like, there's big things happening in the world today, you know, and I just can't be that bothered to get lured into those conversations. But what was so bizarre was that what happened was, was that somehow got weaponized by the Clinton campaign. And it really got, by the end of the cycle, just these totally bizarre and cynical, you know, things, which always, to me, were fascinating because they were actually always predicated in some ways on either, like, a complete fantasy construction of Bernie, which was just not true. Oh, my God, my brother. I'm so happy you said that, too. Because there has been, because yes, let's, because I've done that and I get a lot of flack for yeah. it. And Ben started getting a lot of flack for it too. Um, but like, you know, 
Like, okay, there's the, there's the uber, 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 you know, far, you know, folks who are just like, Hillary's the devil, da, 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 Bernie's God, everything's going to be fine. We just have to get him in. I'm like, that's right, not realistic. Right, right, like right. you guys do, he's a person. He it's, makes mistakes. Cause any criticism, cause I'm going to be, cause I have criticized him even, you know, while trying to get people to vote for him. Right. Like, <laughs> like, yeah. I, like it, it is, I, <laughs> It, it's been so yeah i absolutely agree and then on the flip side it was the same thing like people, people were just so on entrenched on on their points and, and it was like this, yeah and they created a fantasy of him that wasn't real and both sides you know including some people actually tried to say he legitimately was like a candidate of like soft white nationalism right it's like i can't even have that conversation and then other people, because it's delusional, and then other people, the weird irony would be like, I was, I remember having kind of personal conversations where I kind of corner people on some of the stuff that maybe they were saying or writing about him. And their last line of defense would actually be like, oh, well, essentially, they wouldn't put it in these terms, but what they're really saying was that he's going to be held to a higher standard because he is way more progressive than Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. So it's like, wait a second, because all of a sudden we're... You know, and we saw the response. The other irony is we saw the response in real time. You know, in real time, like they had their campaign strategy, but he was the one who actually relatively quickly. And because I, I, again, like you, I supported him, but I criticized him. The way he first, you know, handled the the uh, the thing in that Ruth Nation was totally off. But he responded in real time. Right. As we actually are constantly saying, why can't leaders be more like that? Like, why can't they be more honest? Why can't they um, respond to legitimate criticism? He did all of that. Now, he's got his own, you know, and, and to me, the other part about him that was funny was that it was also just like, you know, he, his genuine passion is obviously inequality and economic justice, which I agree. Like, I right. think that's a foundational issue. And it's also people tried to make him, and he, and it was so fundamental to him that when he was giving his speech on the Middle East, and he was talking about, um, you know, the situation in Gaza, and he was actually reporting that situation mm-hmm. accurately, which was like another, you know, completely unprecedented thing for a yes. major presidential candidate yes. to do, at least since the 80s, right? Right. And then he said, at one point, he's doing a list, and he's like, you know, they can't get medicine, and blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden he looks up and he goes, fifty percent or something, I'm making the number up, but he's literally like, fifty percent of youths in Gaza are unemployed. Mm-hmm. And I was like with my friend and I cracked up because I was like, that's the stat that pisses him off. Like that that's his bridge. Like that's the stuff yeah. that he really gets lit up about. And you know, that's true of all politicians to some extent. And a fact, you know, it's important. We need some people thinking in those terms. And tried to demonize it and make it like it was antithetical to gender or race when it couldn't be more important to those issues. Well, and that was the problem. Like he did, he wasn't, he wasn't comfortable, right? Specifically speaking on those topics. That was, he was more and more, you know, he, he was, he was, he was able and willing to let other people have space to talk about issues, which has been, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll support stuff or whatever. But like, one thing I thought was like a shortcoming of the campaign, like the strategy was to listen and learn about all these stories of people that he has supported over the years. Because one of the things that would come out heavily was, okay, he, he doesn't, he didn't have any black staffers until he ran his campaign or, or whatever they would come up with. Right. But like, there are stories like when he went mm-hmm. out with like, like, like Javonka Beckles, like, cause I helped run 
um, the page, which is under the People for Bernie umbrella, African Americans for Bernie. But then there's also a separate group that was formed too, and I'm one of the admin over there as well. So Javanka Beckles was a city councilwoman from out out from uh, I forget where I think it's Richmond, California, somewhere out in California. There was like a major takeover in like 2013, maybe it was when Chevron was trying to like buy out their city council, and Bernie went all the way out. To, Bernie, little senator from Vermont right went out and stood with these mm-hmm. with these with these city council folks and other folks of color to help with this major corp against this major corporate table and they fought them back and won there were some great stories he goes back with there's a there's a black mayor from out of berkeley i think or something who actually there was a video mm-hmm. that some folks did and we kept trying to get it to people in the campaign to use it because there's a video that some so because they kept saying remember they kept saying the older black folks won't vote for him there's a video they sat down a bunch of old black folks out in california this is way ahead of the California primary too. And I did a round table with all of them. And the one guy was a friend of Bernie's and I don't understand what happened. And I'm like, we kept, we kept sharing it ourselves, but we kept trying to get the campaign to, to use it because mm. it was a great conversation. They were, they, 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 that older generation, you know, the 60 plus generation, they, they have the historical context, right? They were able to talk about what his friendship had did when him and I think the guy's name, I, I can't remember the brother's name, his first name is Gus, but they were mayors at the same time. And I can't remember their sister cities were sister cities or how they became friends, but they were mayors at the same time in the 80s. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So they were, so, yeah, so, so, yeah. so that's, that's a, that's a 30 year relationship that he has had that, that, and I get, and I get the sense that Bernie's just a very humble person and doesn't like to talk about himself, doesn't want to necessarily quote unquote use people. But like, unfortunately, to be at this level of the political stage, you have to be able to have that type of stuff because we saw that happening so much with, you know, coming out of the Clinton campaign. And it was just like, there was so much misinformation and stuff. And our brands are not that widespread to get it all out there in the same way to counter the, you know, the mainstream media narrative. But things like that just frustrated me so much because I'm like, there's really actually some good information. And if I'm talking to people word of mouth on the street with a tablet or something, I can only reach but so many people. But like, there were so many lessons, I think, especially as we talk about trying to run more grassroots operative type actions at the state local and you know looking at congressional elections going forward there's so many lessons that i really think that need to be digested but the fact that there's so many people who still won't quote unquote criticize bernie because even though we're upset that hillary's camp won't have an honest self-reflection i really do feel like a lot of the folks who support bernie sanders have the same issue to some extent right because he's he's on top but i'm like we 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 can't we, we can't get so caught up that we don't want to say anything bad about our people or our friends that we, oh, we, we, we repeat the same mistakes. Cause I, cause I, I went to roots camp and oh, um, I, say, I say, I say something bad about anybody. <laughs> oh, yay. <laughs> but no, I went to roots camp in DC last month and like, I felt right, like Bernie right. folks, Bernie staffers were on like a victory tour type of thing. Cause it was right after the election. So it was kind of like, yeah, you know, cause we would have won. It's like, I agree, but you only would have won. Like, had you guys tweaked a bunch of stuff though? Cause that's the thing. I think that's the part that's left out. Right. Because it was a really right. great model. Yeah. There was a great, a, a lot of great energy, but there were mistakes being made. He was still winning people over because even like, I think it was like the group MNOC, they did a forum with them up in Minnesota that she did not, that, that he went to that she did not go to. And even though the crowd was kind of rough with him, right, he's still, you know, their block, you know, he still 
won, right? At the end of the day, because he showed up, he at least engaged with folks, even though they didn't necessarily like all of his answers. You're not going to like anything everybody says all the time. And I think, you know, real recognize real and people respect that, right? But that just didn't get shown you know, enough. That's a question. That's a question I have for you because I'm I'm trying to think of like this this framework that and there's no like there's no data behind this. This is just like my observation of what's going on in politics and media and also a way of putting myself in the best category, which is mostly what we do. We just come up with different frameworks. Mm-hmm. We're just like there's like three kinds of people and uh, there's people <laughs> right. that suck and there's the people that don't get it and then there's us. But <laughs> that being said, I'm about to do that. Because it's another thing that relates, I think, to the future of these campaign issues you're right. talking about. And also just this kind of like broader toxicity that came up with the Clinton campaign. And even like what you just had to deal with, with uh, the, that crazy person and his, his wife. Um, yes. So I guess it's also <laughs> maybe it. a little bit of a crazy person. But yeah, no clue. We're yes. it. Okay. Yes. All right. right. Yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. I like that. It's it's the new year. Um, leave it, leave it, leave Trying it. Trying to but end on a high I note as like much as possible. Just... And you're on vacay, so let's keep it up. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. But I think what I'm trying to say is, like, I had this thought, well, like, and, and, and bear with me. Like, I I interviewed last um, spring, I interviewed this guy, Ronnie Casseroles, mm-hmm. who is, like, he was, you know, a minister, um, and Nelson Mandela's government, he was a minister in oh, Taiwan, right, Becky's nice. government, a Jewish dude, a Jewish dude who co-founded the um, the armed wing of the African National Congress. Like, oh, wow. He's a okay. Surreal, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, literally a, re- a revolutionary, right? And now, I mean, he's still going, like, he's 78, and now he's, like, back on the streets because he doesn't like Jacob Zuma, you know? I mean, he's, he's like, very right. surreal. And, and we had this conversation, and I was really inspired by it, and you know, obviously, it's a different historical context. It's a different time. In some ways, the situations we face are a lot, they're, at least for now, they're physically a lot easier. Right. But in other ways, they're more kind of like intellectually complicated, I get in some ways. But, but I feel like what I got from him was like, you know, if there's three modes of like being white, you know, like let's just say generically, there's like this continuum of people who, whether it's they're straight up overt, you know, racist, or they're just kind of like, I don't want to talk about that shit, you know, whatever. That's like a one very large group of white people relating to race in modern America. But then we have this kind of other thing where it's like this, and it really congregated around Hillary. And that's where I really first kind of started to see it. And I saw it around, um, a lot of social media culture, this very bizarre, like, performative, like, kind of sketch running, like, almost like if I could take it, like, in a gender sense, it would be, like, the dude you make fun of who's, like, in, like, the woman's studies class. So that's right, what right, can, like, right. Bag a lot of chicks. But he's kind of like, yeah, that's super fucked up. Like, it's totally wrong. Maybe we should, like, you know, have a talk about it in your room. And, like, this way in which it's, like, it's, again, it's just super performative. It's And, and it does kind of devolve into, like, this space of, like, just social media performance. And then there's, like, you know, 
I mean, and obviously this guy, Ronnie Castrol, is like a really high bar. He's right. Like an international right, 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 right. freedom fighter hero. Awesome. But I'm saying, yes. like, it wasn't in, like, Swazi, it wasn't in Swaziland being like, hey, how can I be a better ally? Check my whatever. Exactly. Smuggling people into Johannesburg to, like, you know, keep, like, to smuggle, like, information and sometimes in his case even bombs you know to like keep a struggle going for what was right and like i know it's a different context but i feel like there's just like this certain like weird way in which you have to and i know i'm all over the place but the last no 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 you're good i just want to loop yeah i last thought i have on this but i want to loop because now it's like i feel like we're seeing the opposite end of it which with the trump thing where it's like there's this whole discourse where on one hand it's like everything is racism, everything is sexism, and it's this constant monitoring of those issues. But mm-hmm. at the same time, weirdly, it doesn't take it doesn't take them nearly seriously enough. It takes them way too seriously superficially and not nearly seriously enough in terms of like all the ways they actually operate, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And it's like and it's like, and, and somehow there needs to be, and, and the irony to me is like intersectional and all of that stuff got completely abused in the primary, but I feel like that that's actually what people like us are actually advocating for, except mm-hmm. like an actual version of this. Right. Not like some fucking Caldor knockoff version that people have been selling. But it's kind of very weird thing. It's like, yeah, like, this is a profoundly racist, classist society. Yes. And to me, it's like, we got to get deep into the economics of it and to the structures of it. It is not just a question of, of like, monitoring each other's behaviors. I mean, I'm not saying that isn't part of it, but it is not the whole picture. Because then it becomes like everybody's just going for a gold star and kind of trying to show, like, their kind of moral righteousness mm-hmm. when in a certain way it's like that isn't really what it's all like you could have the greatest moral righteousness in the world personally and you might still be indirectly benefiting from a stock portfolio that has investments in private prisons right you Absolutely. might you know like they, there are these contextual things and if we reduce it all to just like a kind of another way that we exercise our market preference or we um, behave and show up on social media, then we're gonna um, we're gonna really reduce it. And then, ironically, I guess like give ammunition to reactionary people who are like, you know, that's the contingent of people who like the only thing they care about is like, you know, a joke on a sitcom that was bad or whatever. Versus like, no, actually, we're the people that care about saving planet Earth. What are the people okay. who care about, like, not, re, not reconstituting apartheid, you know what I mean? Like, these are really serious things. And I think that, and, and it, that was what frustrated me so much about the Clinton world, was that, like, hybridization of, on one hand, like, total neoliberal bullshit politics mm-hmm. with a really cheapened and cynical version of, um, awareness of identity and race, which again, ironically from the Clintons, like they could flip on that in a second because again, if you look back in the 90s they used that same awareness to play footsie with all sorts of, yep. you know I've only used this word once racially problematic politics and policies 
So, you know. Absolutely. Welfare yeah. reform is a prime example. Welfare reform and the system, yeah. the fragmented system that we have now was built on the blacks, the backs of stereotypes of single black mothers just having all these yeah. damn babies that need to be controlled. So, yeah, absolutely. And can absolutely. talk about that? He campaigns on it. Yes, yes. And, and his it. wife, and his if wife, everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone yeah. says you can't hold his legacy against her. She she uses that as a part of her experience. She campaigned on it. She championed it, too. So so that whole conversation and it never got yeah. resolved because it was good enough to get enough people out to vote for her, their responses in the primary. And then instead of instead of, you know, figuring out a way to really mount once she won. Right. OK, so she won once she won to, instead of figuring out a way to how do I bring this divided house uh, together enough because a lot of people you weren't going to get, right? Like, it just, just people, it was just such a nasty mm-hmm. primary, just at least the way a lot of burners right. felt, right? Especially people who right, were delegates right, right. at the convention. They the, People were, were hopeful and optimistic. There were quite a few people who were hopeful and optimistic. I mean, you have people who are single moms who are, who are disabled or who are, you know, unemployed, but they saved up and or raised money to go because they really felt that they were a part of the process and doing it. And they just felt so disrespected by what ended up happening and there was there still mm-hmm. has never been it's only been like okay whatever we'll get over it and it's just like the hubris because that's been my favorite word for her campaign throughout this whole cycle is <laughs> the hubris of it all right because almost as immediately after because mm-hmm. even having the likes of like bloomberg on stage like that's a smack in the face to all that racial justice advocacy they're supposed to be so great at right michael bloomberg what? you're in new york you know you know mr um, Mr. Yeah. Uh, uh, Stopping Frisk is, is A-OK. Mr. Black men shouldn't have guns because they won't get, you know, like, 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 there's so much so wrong with Michael Bloomberg and to have him there. Mr. We still spy on Muslims. I mean, Ex- yes, 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 exactly. The like, there's so many yeah. things that are so problematic yeah. with him, but to have him there as this symbol of, like, endorsement and congratulation, because this is the ramping up to get to that moderate, that, that, that euphemistic moderate Republican, which ends up happening, right? They launch Republicans for Hillary. They, they start right. touting the support of people like Henry Kissinger, who apparently now is a Putin uh, 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 confidant, now that he's cozying up to Trump, I guess. Like, it's just it's like the, the insanity that this this cycle took so quickly and 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 just like coming out of that cycle though but there were so many steps because even though people were like i really don't want to hold my nose for you i'm trying i'm really waiting for you to do something different because like one of my friends who was a she was a girl i guess i'm with her and and, and fit out of philly and she even i joked around i said you phone bait for her she was like yes you know we can't let him win i said all right you know i'll, I'll let you have it i'm in georgia so i'm in the red state ain't nobody checking for me down here but like my my, my, my girl she was like you know how <laughs> I feel about her, but I really, we can't, but she was upset, but she was upset by so much of what she saw were mistakes from the, from her campaign. She's like, I work full time and I'm willing to give you my time for free. And we all know how much money y'all been raising. So this is kind of ridiculous that your staff is not here doing more. And I heard that complaint from so many friends who would get on my case. Cause they're like, right, you need right. to get on the team. I'm like, you yelling at me about getting on the team for free. When you're upset for volunteering for free because they don't even have staff to cover what needs to be covered in your community or in your city or location or county right. or whatever. Well, that's a whole other problem that this campaign exemplified. And it's funny, like, I actually thought, you know, I 
I think in the, in my like media ecosystem, I got really frustrated mm-hmm. with the sort of like again, especially because I heard the version of the Bernie or Bust argument that was like it's gonna be great, like Donald Trump's gonna be president, and we're gonna like you know it's gonna fucking happen, man. And I just like no, it's just I'm sorry, that's moronic. I can't get with that, but. I think, like, and also, and, and the other thing that was weird, too, is I felt like there was an opportunity to some extent because the, the, Hillary's campaign was ludicrous, but their, their policy portfolio actually did change for the Bernie. And to me, it's like, I think, you know, politics yeah. is a cynical game to some extent. So you should be out just being like, yo, look at all the changes they made because yeah. of what we did. We're yeah. winning. You know, exactly. always claim the victory. But I think, but I think that you know. So I think that that was a real miscalculation of people on my side. Some people on my side. But the thing with mm-hmm. the Clintons, and another thing that we need to kind of exercise from ourselves if we're going to move forward, was that you know it was another cult of basically like just sort of like nerdism, like mm. just this idea mm. that like we have the analytics, we yes. have the we have the stories, you know. I and 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 the reality is that. In, in a sick way, it's actually comforting because I've always been like really kind of like we're totally overselling ourselves in big data, mm-hmm. and that really proves the point. I mean, I was I was in Manhattan a couple of weeks ago, and I saw Eric Schmidt walk by, and I had like a second where I almost would been like, "You fucking moron!" Like it was your job because he was part of this effort, this digital effort involving Hillary, and he did stuff for Obama. And I was like, you know, dude, like Breitbart beat Google. <laughs> like, right. through, like old-fashioned like propaganda efficacy and of course like all sorts of really horrific gross things that Breitbart does but we but you know they were engaging in politics they were engaging in storytelling in a, in a sick perverse way and the Clinton people you know I know you've read the same reports and I know you've heard the same stories of like guys you need to get people on the ground no it's okay our data models work we have a caller from uh, Pennsylvania on the majority report who's involved in democratic politics, who said that their voter data was off to the point where a chunk of the people that they were actually going door-to-door for were Trump voters. So they would actually get a knock on the door from the Hillary campaign and get a reminder to go vote for Donald Trump. I mean, I think... And, and, yeah, and, that and was so insane when they, well, somebody was like, yeah. somebody was like, well, maybe they hacked yeah. the data model. I'm like, I'm sorry. As a data nah. analyst, right? Nope. Like, no, 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 no. I'm going I'm to be like, I, I spent a short period of time as a computer engineering major way, way back in the day before modern technology, <laughs> back in the early 2000s, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> right. <laughs> like, okay. So I'm sorry. I know a little bit. I'm, a, I'm, I'm slightly tech savvy. If someone hacked your stuff, why don't you know? Why don't you have security protocols in place, right? Because this is supposed to be. This is what you're making all your decisions with. Because like some of the logic just didn't make sense. Well, someone they did they, they tampered with her data. But why are you only listening mm. to one source, right? Like if your data is saying one right. thing, but people right. are saying another, why don't you listen to the people versus Baby Skynet? Because that's my thing. I like to call it Baby Skynet now. Because the fact that Algorithm Ada was making all the decisions. <laughs> That's just Skynet waiting to happen. It actually concerns me how much we... Yeah. I love my technology, yeah, but it concerns fine. me how much we're starting to rely on it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but I was like, algorithm A uh, is being Skynet. 
but so so yeah so it was it, yeah. it was very frustrating and, sure. and and now you know i joke i don't know if you've seen the um shia labeouf live video i joke about this all the time with rob cancer my daughter i'm i'm late to the game my daughter just put me on uh, uh about a couple of weeks ago it's, it's like a couple of years old but there was some like tweet or something some years ago about shia labeouf being a cannibal and so I guess Rob Cantor, you know, mm-hmm, did a mm-hmm. whole song and stuff about it and then did a video and got Shia, you know, right, so, right. so I love it. Right. Cause it's Shia LaBeouf being <laughs> in the woods. Like, so I've been joking about, you know, everyone talks about Hillary hiking in the woods. So I'm like, Oh, she's like Shia LaBeouf in that video. <laughs> and they're like, you are so crazy, but you're probably <laughs> right. Because like, well now my latest one and, and, and it's probably poor taste considering Carrie Fisher just passed. And I'm a huge sci-fi person, yeah. but star Wars person. Cause of my dad, but, um, so they were talking about the forest or whatever, and and the person who I'm not going to talk about from last night, he has a tweet about like how she's the strongest out of us, and she's gonna she's gonna rise up and lead us all. She hasn't been leading though the past month and a half, which I understand she just lost. I get that, but that's like the chance you take when you run for something like this high pressure. But people still well, that was leaders. another thing that yeah, I agree. Well, that was another thing that was really and she emerged uh, to talk about fake news. Yeah, that, that I mean, just, it's just pathetic. I mean, and again, it's what's so frustrating to me is that like it is the Russia thing is a legitimate conversation. It's yes. something that's worth pursuing. Yeah, the fake news thing is really complicated because I I do think that like it's a problem, but I also think that it's like, so amazing. I think we need to have an off like, the off the air combo about some of the people who I do think actually contribute to the fake news issue. <laughs> But yeah, I agree with yeah, you yeah. about that so as well. I agree. I agree with you. But but the point that I'm making though that that's interesting, that's tricky is like the whole like you're out there saying like you know people are not buying in to 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 objective narratives anymore right. for both good and for ill. I would say right, right, right. So right. then it's like amazing to me that you would say like, oh, well, what I'm going to do, you know, like. If you're like hanging out believing Alex Jones, do you really think that some fucking twerk from like Facebook coming up to you and being like, well, you know, it's not really true. And you're like, oh, oh my God, I didn't realize that like the chemtrail, um, you know, right. of Islam, CIA conspiracy is false. My mistake. I had no idea. Can I read a box listicle now? Right. Like, even the challenge posed by that is so much more complicated than. And then, and so then we get back to the same place where it's like, instead of dealing with the root causes, we're just looking for another quantitative solution, which will probably also create other problems because, you know, I mean, I think Facebook does have a responsibility because it is a publishing platform, but at the same time, like, what does that mean? You know, I mean, I, again, I think the Russia thing is totally legitimate, but I also remember a month ago when the Washington Post put out that report um, you know, covered that report from that like no name agency that was mm-hmm. like Russia's behind like every single fake news site in the world. You read the article and you're like, are you zero? Well, and it included some actual legit cover, progressive this... sites though. Was the problem uh, well, too? Right. Well, that's the point. Because even if you don't point. agree that's with like point. like the one that sticks out the most include... to me, right? Yeah. Like the one that sticks out the most to you me though, even if you don't agree everything. with it, is Black Agenda yeah. Report, and like. That, exactly, exactly. That exactly. was that's like in, wild. Truth Dig, some other ones, you know, Counterpunch. You know, there's some other ones on the list that, you know, I mean, you might like sometimes with some of the op-eds, you might go, eh. But like overall, like from their stat, their actual staff writing, 
right? And it was so funny because I think someone pointed out to me that like Robert Reich, he he retweeted it, and they were like, "Dude, you've published your stuff in some of these places that are listed. Like, what are you people doing?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you and in your in, in your conflating like exactly, and also like again, like I can. I think there's a lot of bullshit that's published on counterpunch, but I'll tell you, you know, real, a couple of quick things. Number one, bullshit that I'm like, I don't agree with that frame on Syria. It's totally different than here's the secret diet pill that will kill cancer. And Donald Trump is really the second coming of Joan of Arc or whatever. Okay. If you can't make that distinction, you're not doing a legitimate report. And then also, you know, sites like counterpunch. I mean, I, I don't know. I've had some exposure to, as we all have to like independent mm. progressive media and, and those people are, are, are hiding their secret Russia stash really well. <laughs> I mean, that yes. website hasn't been like updated geo cities era, you know, and it's just, it's just kind of like the, but that's the thing with the Clinton people. I mean, and Hillary Clinton said herself, she said, you know, this guy is uniquely dangerous and it isn't like I'm running against Mitt Romney or Jeb Bush or something. And the truth of the matter is that she really believes that then she would have to come out and conceive and say, I'm going to be out here every day, mm-hmm. um, even though this is personally painful for me, to try to safeguard um, the American system because the threats that I, you know, the, the warnings that I had about this guy a week ago haven't changed just because I lost. And and so, yeah, to see, and, and again, that's where they're in their own fantasy scenario. That's kind of what scares me about now is I feel like it's like a time where it actually is really serious and it does actually really require very serious kind of like strategic thinking and presence and organizing. And, you know, I feel like there's some people still want to keep relitigating the primary on both sides, which I think is only relevant if we're actually learning lessons and moving forward. I think some people on my, on our side have like a, you know, they do have like an obsession with Hillary Clinton mm-hmm. that is unfounded. I mean, or not even that's just like not useful. And then on the flip side, you know, these these people that are like we're the centrists, we're the responsible ones, they're off, you know, with these crazy like, you know, it's all Russia's fault. Like Russia told you to lose state legislatures for decades. Russia told you to devastate and hollow out the core of the country economically. Russia told you to you know, like run no campaign against Donald Trump. You know, like, if, if, look, if Russia actually did all that, then I would agree we're in a much more serious situation than I would have thought. But I think <laughs> but, you bring up a really you know great saying? point. Like yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I think you bring up a really great point, though, too. Like, it is ludicrous. Like, that is the thing that's like, like I was saying, you know, to to my dad or maybe even my kids and my I drive my kids nuts. But like, I was saying, like, you know, is this like invasion of the body snatchers? Like, I feel like I'm in not the original version, (laughs) but like the mid 90s remake version that came out. And I'm just like. Like, like, but the little things come in with the stingers and take over people. Like, I just feel like something happened because so many intelligent people are just regurgitating. And even like people I really looked up to, up to, and again, this is why I feel like, you know, being involved last 18 months impossible. I'm like, I don't know that I want to do this any more than what I've done because so many people that I have admired for so mm. long, I'm now looking from the side. I like, who are you? 
mm-hmm. where do you come from? But, but the, mm-hmm. just the lack mm-hmm. of critical thinking, critical analysis and discussion, right? Being able to disagree. Like, again, right. like you've said, right. we disagree, but we respectfully disagree. And we're still friends at the end of the day. We don't have to have the same exact viewpoint and understanding of things to still have a good conversation, to still be able to work together and still be able to move forward. And, you know, we can sit down and maybe we're, we agree on a lot of general things, but we might not agree on a lot of specifics, but I don't know that necessarily matters for some of the really big work ahead of us that we need to do. I think that, but we've gotten so right. caught up on arguing and proving who's right and, and the, the level just got kicked up and it's insane now to be able to control narratives, to be able to save face and people and their fake hurt feelings. And it's just like, where do we, where did we end up? Has this always been like this? Like, am I just now waking up in the last two years? Like what is going on? Like, I re- I remember when September 11th happened and I remember like, you know, when mm. we went into Afghanistan sitting in class in a, in a world, in a world class, I forget what kind of class it was, but I remember it was one of my sociology classes. I'm sitting in there and everyone and my teacher, and we're talking about current events or whatever. And someone bravely brought up the issue of bombing Afghanistan, Right. And there were like three of us out of a class of like 30 something who were really upset with the fact that we were bombing, bombing innocent people because so many people just knew that the Taliban was hiding the people, possibly hiding Osama Bin Laden and we had to get them. I'm like, yeah, but like, we're like attacking schools and people's like weddings and stuff. Like those people didn't do anything. If anything, we need to be helping the people that are getting bombed. And it's just like, I remember from that, but I guess, so I guess this isn't new. You know, Americans have had a disconnect for a long time. Maybe it's a historical thing. I really don't know what the answer is, but, but, but how do we, you know, we need to work on moving the needle and reaching people. And maybe that's just from doing what we do and trying our best to get out and talking to folks, um, however we can on the ground. Yeah, and I think it's like the last thing I'll say is I think it's it's another kind of paradox because I think on one hand, like one of the things that it just just jumped out to me when you were talking was I was just I was just like the bottom line, just you know, taking like us as an example, is that even when I disagree with you, I just respect and appreciate your thought process. Like there's rigor to it. Mm-hmm. So the one part of me that's like I guess I'm just being a little snobby. I'm like, yo, like I'm sorry, people need to like. You know, read some fucking books. Okay, so me too. <laughs> okay, so our inner snobs are communicating. <laughs> they need to do that, right? And then, and then on the other hand, on the flip side, that that is paradoxical. We all need to train ourselves in like emotional intelligence. I like. I actually think that that's like another thing that kind of comes like every even like even this debate like when people think about you know reaching out to Trump voters, and I think like to be honest with you. I think most Trump voters, I'm not saying to like, you know, be a dick to your neighbor or whatever. I'm not, I'm not talking about that, but I don't think that that's like a fertile ground for political persuasion. And I don't think that's particularly useful, but I think, but I, but I think that for people that are potentially persuadable, say it's like, you know, I don't know, say there's like three, four million people that voted for him that maybe are in like some continuum of like, economically concerned, frustrated, whatever. Right. Like say that there's like, a, I don't know, a tenth of who voted for him that falls into that category in some way. And people are, you know, and I see the debate of like, on one hand saying, you know, these people are deplorable, it's disgusting that they voted for him. And I have a lot of sympathy for that. Too. But then on the, and then on the other hand, I see this kind of like, you know, 
bending over backwards to just be like, hey, no, it's all like they're just the victims. And I actually think that if you kind of think of it in the terms of like building rapport with people mm-hmm. and you can have a situation where you can understand and even empathize with a lot of perspectives without agreeing with them or forwarding them. And to me, that is like, that is what political persuasion and leadership is all about. And we think of like these historical examples, you know, and I was, I was, I was talking with somebody about how like, you know, like Obama was obviously like so imbalanced in terms of like reaching out to people as disrespected him. And I remember another South Africa example, I read a little bit about Nelson Mandela and he had incredible, obviously like reconciliation with people, but it was very like, like strategic and tactical. And he was doing it from like, from a place of power. Right. And there, and, 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 and it's like a very subtle distinction, but I think that like you can, and, and I guess the way it shows up practically is probably like spending less time having all of those arguments on social media and being so worried about who's right and who's wrong and really trying to figure out like who do we need to talk to how what do they care about what do they care about that's important and legitimate what do they care about that's really toxic and fucked up and just kind of dealing with the mess of that because especially when you get in real life and you're actually talking to people and dealing with people i mean you know, people are going to say all sorts of things and have all sorts of views and all sorts of perspectives. And, you know, and that's part of the mess of like actual organizing and mobilization, not just kind of like scoring points in each other's feeds. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think because I have had you for almost an hour now and we said no more than 45 minutes. But I think that's a great place to put (laughs) a pin in it. Well, it was great, and we definitely need to have Sounds more conversations. Good. And 